What's up? It's Drew with Ride the Rebellion. As you can see, based on those cacti up there, I am not near home at all. I am currently riding in the beautiful uh, South Mountain. Is that what we're calling it, James? South Mountain Preserve and Park. That's James. James is with uh, Cactus Adventures. Great tour. Highly suggest. Fun rider. Taught me some lines. Made fun of me just enough to keep me motivated. But I got to say, most of the riding and ability I have uh, obviously comes from practice. And some of that comes from uh, the stuff I learned with Dirt Coaster Academy. Those guys have been super helpful. Hit a couple of drops with it. Um, we got to get Dirt Coaster to get some rocks, apparently, because I need some more training on rocks. But I got James for that for now. And uh, James will give me a help on that. So if you have a chance, you're ever out here, check out uh, uh, Cactus Adventures. James is fantastic. Good rides. Great place. Knows the area. And then if you're looking to get better, check out Dirt Coaster Academy. That said, here's the podcast. Speaking of screwing up, hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Rise Rebellion Podcast. I'm this time I'm going to introduce myself and you. Okay, good. Last episode was so impromptu, we didn't even do introductions. I'm your host, Drew Hall, and with me today is the king of the South Alabama Turndown and. and world's uh most diverse uh business properties company because he has multiple entities that'd be dale boyd of dale boyd suite management it's yeah. a management suite you have a variety okay. of things i'm gonna start selling little goldfish and rubber bags or plastic bags too i think it's like part of it like everything has to be covered i don't uh, do uh, any animal things right now no Oh, we can make that change. <laughs> that sounds so dirty. It does not sound appropriate by any means. Uh, we have a special guest today. We're very excited about it. You probably read it in the headlines. I don't know why. Like, I always try and keep it a secret. Here's his face. Now it's gone. And so <laughs> today on the show, we're going to talk with Philip Darden, executive director of Sorba. That's the official stuff. We've hung out with him. So we're going to have a little bit of that talk, but it's going to be more like this show is. If you've ever listened to this podcast, if you've never listened to it, well, you're in for a treat. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of things we're going to get out of the way first, a little housekeeping first. Uh, we're going to play a game with Philip. He doesn't, he's probably should know this. He's listening to the podcast. I, for love of God, if he's coming into this blind, my God, sir, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know you a little were, bit. Yeah. Okay, I, okay. I got a little bit. You were the executive director. Sorry, <laughs> just like Please, Andy sir. was one of the people at Fox. Yeah. yeah. Andy's um, no longer with Fox. No, just everybody that's Cannondale no. fired Nixon after 23 years. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Welcome to the Roger Rebellion podcast where we'll burn the bridge for you. It's <laughs> not keep the light on for you. We'll burn <laughs> Um, so, uh, with that said, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Of course, uh, we have something new we want to announce. If you notice, Dale Boyd of Dale Boyd Sports Management Suite of Supplies. Check out my nipples. Is, is wearing a brand new shirt. Uh, it is uh, it is the Rider Supply Reb shirt in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fashion uh, format. Whatever not stolen. Not, st not at all. Not in this show. Uh, <laughs> one of the things that we are doing is that... I'm going to just keep it on the shirt. Okay, keep it on my shirt. Yeah. Is that we are uh, introducing, if you guys haven't seen this, you can go to our social media. We're going to put the post up there as well for you. Correct? Absolutely. Ride the Reb. So if you're yeah. just listening to the podcast, you're going to have to go to Facebook mm -hmm. and Instagram, which is at Ride the Rebellion. There's it at Ride the Reb. It's at the Ride the, Re Ride the Rebellion. Thank God, because I confuse all the business names. Yeah, we got too many. Uh, if you have a chance, head over to those. But what we're doing is we're doing a special thing. If you're listening to the show, 
There is a private Facebook group now you can join. That's You're right. You're a member of Facebook. This is one of the challenges of life. I'm sorry. This is how it works. Yeah. If you join the private Facebook group, which mm-hmm. is invite only by sending us a message, basically telling us that you listen to this episode. Yeah, you can search it. It is searchable, oh, there you but go. you have to be added. Oh, you have to be added. So, so you can request won't... it. So if you request to join, what yes. we're going to do with that is we're actually going to do a series of waffles. Right? Waffles. All shirts that we have are going to be waffles and what that means is is that uh the shirt will sell for 30 bucks so you get a shirt we're only going to make 10 of these shirts that's right period the first 10 people first 10 people that's right then we're going to take five dollars from each person so then there's a basically a 50 dollar pot that you can win so not only do you get a shirt and you get your money back on a shirt you're also going to get 25 dollars. so buying you a shirt could potentially you could waffle mm-hmm. to win $25 so you get a free shirt and 25 bucks just for buying a shirt that's yeah. a chance you have it's a chance you have to play that's right and it's a limited edition shirt and we're going to make these super rare that's right uh, there's a reason for it if we do a reprint we will change them enough so that yours will always stand out the reason we want to go down that path is we got to get some kind of funding going and we that's just right. feel like we joke about patreon all the time and we just feel like this is a way better way of doing it and you guys it get something unique yeah mm-hmm. and you get something cool it's handmade by dale um at this point fair that's to right say. yeah uh-huh. for now i designed it and made it yeah for now and One i day, touched maybe that changes. it on a lot of parts of my heat press <laughs> i don't even know what to say with that, oh, that these, are all, these are all handmade shirts by dale in his heat press sweatshop <laughs> that he has back at his house um but point is is these are our limited edition first 10 people to sign up for it yep don't um, so what we'll do is like we'll have a list so you'll go on you'll say hey i want one the first 10 people that say they want one then after it's full you'll pay 30 dollars a piece yep you'll get a shirt everybody yep. all 10 people get a shirt but then we'll have a drawing for 50 dollars total and you'll get 50 dollars. yeah potentially so, potentially somebody wins 50 bucks so it's a waffle. It's, a one out it's not of ten endorsed chance. by any other brand no that brand. is, or any other companies or no. entities. Right. Fair to say to keep you guys safe. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is. He uh, didn't even know this was going to happen. It's just what we decided to do on the show. So I want to get that out of the way. So if you head over to at Ride Rebellion, and if you, if go on you join that Facebook, yeah, that private group, uh, maybe we'll do a couple other little things for you. Oh, there'll be things in there. The only yeah. people that'll know about it are listeners. Right. So yeah, that is uh, that is our way of doing a Patreon that is a lot more fair. We're not trying to. Never have we tried to be greedy with the show. Uh, if someone wants to come buy us and sponsor us, I will gladly sell out in a heartbeat. Oh, I was looking sh- at a battery. I confused myself. You're fine. For sure. Uh, we won't run that battery this time. I, mean, uh, I will sell out in seconds. Dale will sell out in seconds. I will not. Our question is whether I'll ride a Sun Tour fork or not. But Sun Tour, if you're out there listening, I'm in. Welcome to the Ride the Rebellion podcast, <laughs> now sponsored by Sun Tour Forks. <laughs> Paint it red. Paint it red. <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> We're going to remanufacture them and resell them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just rebrand them. I bet we could buy those off brand. I don't know. I think we're going down a bad wormhole. We sell t-shirts, Drew. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you have a chance, there's one more look at it. Move your hands. Mm-hmm. There it is. And uh, head over and we'll have a picture up there so you can actually see it. So there's only going to be technically 11 of these because Dale will have yeah, one. Yeah, I'll have one. We'll always have one. The only way you'll really get the release on it is to watch the episode uh, and then it'll trickle out. Yeah. We're going to give a little bit of leeway. So by watching on YouTube or Spotify, mm-hmm. That's if Spotify right. works, it did not work last week. If it works, uh, then you can see it early and then there'll be a little bit of a lag behind it. So the rest of you can see it eventually on the socials. And so, uh, the other episode, like if we put more out ever again, like this will only be this color one time. How about that? So yeah, if the great. design is a big hit, if there's tons of people that want it, uh, it'll only be gray once. That's so right. maybe next time it'd be a different color. 
like purple or something. Tie dye. You, you gotta do, do a tie dye uh, one. Ninja man. Turtles. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah, tie dye is not a bad idea. Yeah, it's a good idea. I have to give him credit. He's a graphic design degree. We'll get that in a second. When and we now Sorba sponsorship. Yeah. We're gonna play <laughs> We're gonna play a little game we like to call What the Hell Is It? I don't know. We don't actually have a name for this, but our it's our sponsorship game. It. Some of this is cheating because he's gonna know a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Philip's well rounded in this stuff. All right, before we do a formal introduction, we're gonna just throw these out there. First up, you've listened to the podcast. This doesn't work, so we should just zip through just it. You know what through. all of these are, aren't you? Well, I mean, maybe, maybe not. Okay. All right. He sounds like he wants to play because he gave him a chance. He prepped. All right. Our first one. Dale, you want to do it? Just pick one. All right. Well, I don't know how to do it. I'm trying to think of like the names are so obvious to me. But if you really want to go somewhere and hang out with a guy (laughs) and do some things. You talking about your garage in the sweatshop or are you talking about? That could be too. But man, I'm struggling, man. A uh, man of war. What is a man of war? Oh yeah, that's a uh, jellyfish. That's a Same really thing. sweet it's tattoo a, shop. Kevin Blackie. He's, he's, he's friends with Kevin. Yeah. See, I can't. I'm struggling. I'm trying to like not say I know, the words. It's because yeah. he's so an hard. actual. He's an actual friend of the show. Yeah. Like yeah. literally, legitimately has yeah. paid attention to us. Uh, yeah. So man of war tattoo. If you haven't uh, heard of it. Do you, you don't you have a tattoo? Do you have any tattoos? I do. Like None Kevin of them are dudes? Kevin's, but his stuff is really like just incredible. Like yeah. his work is just off the charts. And you follow him on social as well, obviously. Yeah. 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 So I think it's worth watching. If you head over to manawartattoo.com, he has a website. I don't think that really matters. I think you're better off to find him on Instagram, which is yeah. um Man of War Tattoo. But then it, Kevin's is Blacky got, Tattoo. I is that believe. what it is? Yeah. Blacky Tattoo. Uh, yeah. For all your dating needs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. Kevin, I haven't talked to Kevin in a long time. I think he's pissed because we have just we well, have just no, trashed. He's him. like, dude, I'm, he's trying to get rid of us. I think. Yeah, probably. man. So I met him at Coldwater uh, Fat Tire Fest, and dude, so it's always around Halloween, and they always have these really weird. Aniston's just a weird town in general. Like I've been going there my entire There's life. I feel like I have issues. the right to be able to say that. Yeah, maybe Monsanto has something to do with it. But like last night of the whole Coldwater Fat Tire Fest, Kevin's like. Dude, let's go out. I was like, okay, sure, yeah. And he puts on this like terrible clown costume. Like <laughs> oh, half-asses no. his makeup, does his red squeaker nose, and we go out and we just get hammered. Like he's buying shots and like next thing I know it's two o'clock in the morning and we're wandering back over to Zen Park to sleep with <laughs> You know, (laughs) oh my god, man! But Kevin Blackie, like, he's a good time, dude. Like, that guy, he can ride too. He's a legit rider, yeah, Yeah, solid rider. Yeah, that's the thing that's funny is like, Kevin, I don't, I don't remember. Kevin's older than me, that's what I know. And Kevin's a few years, whatever that number ends up being, doesn't matter. He shreds, like, we've seen him. He's a rev member as well. And Kevin's come out there and he destroyed a race, he Mm -hmm. destroyed it. I mean, he was ridiculous. Um, he's a great rider, so of course, uh, Man of War Tattoo, uh. You know what Lucky Shot is, don't you? Yeah, it's a coffee. Yeah, see, he's yeah, good, we were man. riding the trail. And yeah, he, was he rode like, the trail. Oh, you got to ride. Lucky this shot is like here. a test of whether or not I've actually listened this to the is podcast. A good test. <laughs> All right, this is, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's another screener. That's the other game. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah. So LuckyShotCoffee.com. If you head over there, uh, we did not get to drink Lucky Shot today because I ran out. But when I have it in stock, it's a very delicious coffee, and I really appreciate appreciate everything Shannon does, especially because it is. Uh, it's. I mean. It's as close to a crafted cup of coffee as you can possibly get, aside from her making it for you. So mm-hmm. uh, I get whole beans from her. I grind it myself. I'm a snob. I like pour over. I have a whole process. Chemex is what we drink in out today. But like, there's a whole process for making coffee, and she does a fantastic job. So if you head over to LuckyShotCoffee.com. 
Give her a shout. Word. Uh, we don't have to necessarily do a big push for DCA because I gave them a commercial on the front of this. Yeah. So you guys have already heard the DCA. So we don't, and you know what Dirt Coaster Academy is. Yep. Yep. That's, Very familiar. Uh, they're out of Louisiana. That's correct. Coaching mountain right. biking. The best answer we've ever gotten from that goes to Andy uh, Vidalia. Mm-hmm. Um, we're never going to get his name right. Mm-hmm. Uh, who thought it was Razor Scooters. <laughs> <laughs> Like with big tires, so yeah, you can ride off road. He just straight went for razor scooters. Good. It was delightful. The coaster Good. thing, maybe, was it? Yeah, I think that's what it was. Um, and then we, I mean, Aaron's is blatantly obvious. It's too obvious. Yeah, Aaron is at running. Tra- do you run, though? Are you I do. Yeah, actually, I, I run quite a bit. One of the things I'm working towards right now is doing the Pinhody 100 in November, which is dumb. But I turned 40 last June, and I was like, what can I do to break myself? Yeah. Trying to run 100 miles, that should probably Good. do it. God, I can't even Yeah, count. I got a friend that does multiple hundreds a year, so if yeah. you need advice, like, don't do it. Do you, wear those, <laughs> <laughs> do you wear those uh, those hard, those weird shoes that Dale wears? He wears these weird-ass running ball, shoes. Flat boy shoes. No, no, I wear, like, super squishy shoes, oh, and I've got that running vest that makes you look really cool I, I just got a new hat actually i got this hat at run and try that's pretty sweet it says party pace on it oh i got the same hat that yeah mine's neon, purple mine's neon yellow and pink yeah yeah it's pretty sweet yeah it's a trucker hat party pace yeah oh boy the ladies at the park make fun of me for being fat and fast <laughs> i mean you're fast it's, fat. there's no joke <laughs> he was telling me about that earlier today just like yeah, he was running seven minute miles, and the lady. There's was no like, bullshit. It's yeah, ridiculous. No. <laughs> and he says I, stuff, and I'm like, I've like, I've gone to the gym seven days this week. Literally, I've I've done everything I can to maintain some kind of level of fitness, and I'm still fat. And it's like, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't eat bad. I don't do. Dale's like, well, I just, I ran a seven. I'm running like a ten minute mile, and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> my wife used to say on our way to races like every race we would go to she'd ride with me and hang out and i don't race running race anymore so um not retired but de facto retired but i said uh she always used to, i'd get done and i'd win or whatever and she'd be like uh imagine how fast you'd be if you didn't drink a dr pepper and eat a snickers on the way Good <laughs> she's God. like all the people that you finished around were very skinny and you come in there like looking hungry I I am super hungry. (laughs) Give me a snack. I'm the fattest of the fastest, baby. Come on over here to daddy. Yeah. Well, you're Strava every day. Mind over matter. Mind over matter. (laughs) Never stopped, dude. Since I started, I've always had to, and I just can't stop it now. Yeah. No, I I don't know how you guys put up with it. But if you do need to run faster, and frankly, Aaron will put you in shoes right. Yes, he will. They won't necessarily make you faster. Um, They won't make you fatter either, though. Yeah, well, if you become friends with them, it'll make you fatter. <laughs> I don't know what that means. We have a lot of beverages. Oh, he is a beverage-friendly environment? And he moved behind me, so now we live in the same neighborhood. And he actually was like, dude, what if we got one of those bank things and we could shoot beers back and forth to each other? <laughs> <laughs> but we settled on just walkie-talkies. So, Oh, dear God. <laughs> You're just like, like five-year-olds in your bedroom. <laughs> yeah. all hey, is. dude, what are you doing? You want to go ride bikes? Yeah. But they're literally those guys from the movie where like, you don't have to do the sound. No. <laughs> yeah, right, we are. Over. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> it. Uh, he's like, hey, do you, do you want to drink beers? I'm like, does a bear shit in the woods? Like, yeah, dude. Come on. <laughs> all right. um, so that's uh, that's our sponsor role. The reason why we didn't do DCA again, because the commercial at the front of the blah, 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 blah. You guys got it. I don't need to explain it again. If you haven't seen the episode, fine. You had to listen to a commercial at the very beginning. That is what it is. I wrote Phoenix and again, talked about how great it was. I am going to shout out um, uh, Cactus Adventures and James Moreno. Moreno, however you say it, James. He'll be on the show at some point. Um, 
I rode Phoenix. He was my guide. I didn't want to ride alone because I don't know what I'm doing out there in the desert. There's rattlesnakes. And I saw a Gila monster, which he told me he's lived there for 20 years and he's seen two. I saw one on my first hike. So pretty That means you never can go back. That's right. He was like, yeah, the greatest luck ever. And then the next day, the weather was unbelievable. It was the high the day before was 102. When I was there, the high was 83. Like freakish weather. So that said, uh, I want to give a shout out to Cactus Adventures. If you guys are out that way, uh, call James. He also is an instructor for a rival of one of our brands for the Ninja people. But he was a very good coach. Um, helped me work on some line work and dealing with rocks because we don't have a lot of those. Speaking of someone who has a lot of rocks, ladies and gentlemen, Philip Darden. Do you have rocks? I guess. <laughs> I mean, weirdly, I, I don't know you, how you would know that, but I like pick you never up heard rocks the all phrase, the time. You never I, heard this phrase like, he's, he's like, got a lot of stones? <laughs> you got a lot of stones? I'm being polite. I'm just not I'm just not saying like, oh yeah, Dale got it. I was smoking rocks. I don't know. I would go way <laughs> different. I was going I with was, the fact that like it takes a lot of uh, rocks oh, okay, okay, in order to do what you do on a professional level That's at right. this point. I mean, it's like, I love my job. It's the best job I probably could have at this point in time in my life. Um, and when you love it, it's really not that challenging. You just kind of go in there and you do it. Oh, I, I mean, I get it. I live that every day. I own a video production company, agency, whatever, and same thing, same kind of stuff. Uh, let's go back to kind of the beginning of that. Um, you're officially the title is executive director of Sorba, which is Southern Off-Road Biking Association. That is correct. <laughs> swing and a swing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did you end up going from, uh, and we don't have to like do all history because there's other parts of that conversation we have when we talk about like graphic and photography and all that stuff. But how did you go from, you know, rider at some point? I know you were a chap, uh, probably a member of, your local chapter, but how did you end up in that position? Like how did, and I know you're associate director, but how did you end up in that spot? Cause that seems like that's a very awesome place to be. And it's one of the, there's one of those positions and there's, it's, I assume as long as everyone's happy, you're in that spot for a while. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's always funny. People ask me this question all the time because they're like, so what do you, what, what do you do? Like, well, I have a degree in graphic design and they look at me and like, well, how the heck did you get in your position now? And the funny thing about life is that there's always this one moment where it seems really small and inconsequential. Um, and it was when we were sitting in the, uh, sitting in the room with everybody forming our own local chapter and they were like who wants to be vice president and i was like well that sounds like not the most important job <laughs> i'll do that vice important management and that's that's really just kind of where it snowballed i was racing cross country uh for a while and, and just was burnt out right. um burnt out on racing burnt out on on riding and just like was going out and riding for fun and wanted to find some way that I could give back because racing is such a singular like me thing. And I just was like, I was tired of that. And was like, all right, well, what can I do to give back? Started volunteering. We were unaffiliated, like an, a, not, a, not an association. And started volunteering time at Chihuahua State Park up in Auburn, Alabama, building trail. And we formed an organization camp, Central Alabama Mountain Peddlers, uh, and I volunteered to be vice president, followed that to be president for six years and on the SORBA board for a while, 
Uh, I actually applied for the associate director position when Terry Palmieri, the former executive director, got the job in 2014, and they told me I needed more experience. So I kept doing what I was doing, um, worked with our local tourism bureau, uh, was involved with mountain biking, was a NICA coach, uh, worked and managed at a bike shop, and then it came about again in 2020 uh, to start in 2021 to be associate director, and I applied again, and here I am. Like, yeah. it's just is it's one small decision kind of changed the whole course of where I was going. Now, what's interesting is like your uh, degree and background and all that stuff. A lot of times, that's you, this is career now, right? But you started out di- totally different space. Uh, did you? You didn't grow up in Auburn. You grew up in Atlanta, right? I grew up in Atlanta. Yeah. So you're riding that kind of stuff and having fun and doing all those kind of things. But then you ended up at Auburn for graphic design school. Is that accurate? Yep. Um, and then graduate from there. Did you ever end up working? Did you work professionally in, as a graphic designer or as I know photography is another side of it, but did you work as a graphic designer at all? Yeah, I was a lowly intro designer at an ad agency in Atlanta working like 80 hours a week, like doing the, doing the thing, which they'll tell you in graphic design school. When I started, they were like, all right, look left and looked right one of these two people are not going to be doing this in 10 years. And I was like, yeah, bull crap, whatever. And then sure enough, I was not doing it in 10 years after I graduated. Yeah, It's a, it's a hustle. And yeah. the people that make it through the whole design agency world is kudos to them. Cause I don't have that. Like, I don't know, man. Thing. It's also like turnover city USA. It's like not just leaving. You see uh, my, my brother is now he's a creative director and I can't even remember the name of the agency. He's bounced from so many, like he literally has jumped from agency date, started out in mobile and then bounced and bounced and bounced, lived in Iowa for a while. Like he is bounced, but each step is like another move up that, but designers just constantly have to chase that next tier. Whereas, uh, I, I skipped all that and was like, uh, you know, screw it. I'm just going to open my own. Cause I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, and approach it. So part of that is you work as a designer, obviously there you're, were you still involved in mountain biking during that window or it's weird. So when I was in school, my senior project was a bike shop. Like we had, you had to come up with this fictitious thing and I developed a bike shop. Um, and the whole premise of it was a bike shop that was also a community center in downtown Atlanta. Love it. I was more of a road cyclist then. Um, and it was geared around commuting. So you'd come in and you'd have locker rooms and you'd have like coffee and then there'd be a bar for you to hang out afterwards. So it was always like, there was always this development of community and bikes in the, in my world. And it just kind of ended up, that's what I do now. I mean, you can't really, you can't argue the fact that that is like literally the looking back, like that's destiny. If there ever was such a thing as destiny, because essentially that's what you're doing now it's, communities and bikes together yeah like and i just i didn't know that that was what i wanted to do i thought i wanted to make like cool designs because really i started doing graphic design because i wanted to make t-shirts and skateboards like that was what i wanted to do uh and i still make t-shirts which is part of the fun of being a graphic designer but yeah like i didn't know that bikes and community was really what it was it just that seemed like a good excuse to make t-shirts and stuff. We should probably, maybe we'll rope you into throwing one of your t-shirts into our our waffle mix. One of 10. Yeah. Like just put it out there and it'd be like, that'd be rad to have like a Darden. Here it is. And you know, we'll give you a little kickback or we'll donate to a chapter or do whatever or donate to ourselves. (laughs) 
Make mountain biking happen. That's all I care. Like, <laughs> I'll do a design. Just make make mountain biking happen. That's all I care about. I guess I think it's it's interesting because one of the things, uh, obviously, you've listened to the show we were joking about earlier, but one of the things that's been very important to us to, that that happened um, is that we exist. The, re- the rebellion exists not because we were pissed at Imba, right? Um, there's maybe some frustration, and I'm sure you you've heard and dealt with it. And I'm not here to like point that play that game. Um, but we ended up building out the Reb because we got to a point where it was like, hey, we need something that the community's not, not that the our local IMBA chapter wasn't providing, but we had this more like-minded group that needs to figure this this stuff out. And we needed to figure out some things for ourselves. Like we wanted to build trails and we wanted to, to, to make new stuff and we wanted to challenge ourselves. And unfortunately, one of the things we ran into is we had a lot of limitations in, in certain spaces. So we had to rebel. We had to become our own thing. The weird part was all it did was it, it both... It was never a rebellion in the true sense, but as a rebellion, it backfired. And what <laughs> happened is we we took the Imba community and made it better. That's <laughs> essentially yeah. what we did. We rebelled from nothing because now every <laughs> member of the Reb is a member of Imba. So it does, or you know, our local chapter Samba. Yeah. And so it didn't did that. So I guess where I'm going with this, the whole question is, where'd my Imba dues go? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's like that's uh, that was a the, joke. Tee up. <laughs> if you want to answer it, I'll take it. But that was just a setup for what. A, what I love in like being a listener of the podcast is is the whole character arc of yeah, what you guys one. have done. Like right. you started out, and it was kind of a dig on your local chapter. Like you guys were not getting what you wanted out that's of true. it. Right. True story. And you know, <laughs> and that's, I'm a part of it, which made it even better. Yeah. <laughs> And that's and I, so I met Dale at our Sorba Summit in Tallahassee in 2022. Yeah, it must have been. That's yeah, it was 22. Right. It was yeah. The yeah. building. Yeah. yeah. Um, and Dale was telling me all about everything. Wait, course, wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let's go to the truth. How many times did he tell you, sober or drunk, that he has a podcast? A million. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least three. At Dude, least three times. That's how this podcast has grown. It's not organically. It's with a megaphone that I don't possess. Yeah. It's the, bull, it's the bullish version of it. Teardrop my ass, I'm going to bullhorn you into it. Yeah. I'm like the Allen of podcasts. Yeah, yeah. that's correct. The wait, soft, soft member, member of, of podcasts. Podcast. Yeah. And it, like, I just, he would say, oh, well, I've got this podcast, Ride the Rebellion, Sweet Potato Mountain Bike Crew. I'm also here with some. I'm like, which one is this dude? Like, who, like, <laughs> who is this But guy? I, I figured, like, now I know that that's just in general. Like, everybody's yeah. like, who is the, who's the association? But anyway, so there's so many chapters out there, I think, that kind of resonate with what you guys have got going on. And that's one of the reasons why I reached out and was like, hey, like, I want to come down and talk about this because, you know, we're at a, we're at a, a crux position for mountain biking where riding is definitely changing and it's changed so much over the last five years and the type of riding that people are looking for with the availability of bike parks, with the availability of like the way that bikes work and how they ride. And I think that what's happening here is kind of like a small microcosm of what happens just in a lot of areas. And I I think it's an important story to talk about and just share. Well, it, it, for us, I think it's one of the things of, uh, when I was kind of thinking about stuff, I tried to I tried to not um, go, you know, I told you I wouldn't and I'm not, but I didn't want to go like investigative journalism style and come down because it's it's obviously we're very honored that you're having this conversation with us and because it, it is value. And I know from running a business, right, I have to look at I have to look at the sum of all parts. I often look and I'm like, man, this this employee or this group or this whatever they're struggling a little bit. And so I give them attention. Then someone else feels neglected or right now, like Justina used to not be in my office. Um, and she's our producer. 
And so Justina, who's at a Dirt Coaster Academy class right now, Justina um, is now in my office. Well, the president of the company sits across there, right? I just own it, but I'm not smart enough to run it. And so what's happened is I can tell that me and Justine have gotten closer and now she's feels a little neglected. So I have to go back over and make sure. So from an organizational side, it's the same thing. You have these little pockets like us. I get it. We're not in the space of normal. We're not adding diddly squat to tourism numbers. We can't help your argument. And so I think what happens is a lot of us, the smaller ones, uh, the smaller little groups probably start to feel not neglected, but the reality of it is we can never be a reflection of what is up in, in the higher parts of the States where there's mountains, yeah. right? We're trail riders. We're, we can't be a reflection. We have to be our own thing. And we, mm. and I think if I'm being really candid, I think some of the frustration is, I think a lot of times, this is what we talk about on the show. Mountain bikers try to reflect themselves as, as, as pink bikers, never going to happen. As, um, as I learned Phoenix, totally different group and their, the world out there is totally different. Uh, or, you know, Chattanooga, Knoxville, where you are now in that space. We can't be a reflection of them because we don't have that same environment, right? But it also can't be expected of us to be a reflection of that as well. What yeah. we have to be is our own thing. And I think that's what I'm excited about to, to have conversations about is like, can we look at the future and say, oh, wait a second, the group down there is different. So that's what we are. We're different. We acknowledge it. We love mm -hmm. it. We embrace it. You may not get the ride, the shit you would ride up in Knoxville or, or Chattanooga or Pisgah, but what you are going to get, hopefully, is walking away with it. Those guys are, and, and that group is so much fun. I enjoy spending time with them that I like to come through there and ride their trails. You don't have to ride them more than once a year, but when you come in, it's like, yeah, we're having a good time. That kind of vibe is what I'm after. Is that where you kind of see the development of like these smaller groups? Is that is that what you're, you're kind of referring to? Is, like, is that what we're looking at going forward is... Because we can't all always match the same standard. It's impossible. You have to have those standards. I'm not denying that, but yeah. do you have thoughts on that? Well, so two things. Um, I think at, when you get down to it, and it's funny just visiting different groups and, and going across uh, the Southeast and, and experiencing different chapters, is that a lot of the people are all the same. Oh, interesting. Like the people that hold the trail director position, it's the same dude. Like, <laughs> And it's usually a dude, unfortunately. Um, but it's like, they're kind of gruff. They're kind of like a little bit standoffish. They have strong opinions about what they're doing. Can we just insert a picture of Chase just real quick? Right? Yeah, yeah. Like and Chase somehow is the president of his chapter. Yeah, so. But he was the trail director, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, and it, it's, it's the same person. So, and the people that fill these roles, it was really weird when I came to this like idea because I knew my group, I knew my chapter and I knew what they were like. And I knew what a couple other chapters like. But like driving around and visiting different groups, it's like, holy crap, everybody is the same. Right. And they just kind of find their roles. Um, and you hit on the point of, you know, so many communities are not going to be Chattanooga, Brevard, you know, even um, even Birmingham and, and Oak Mountain. Like they're not going to be there. They're not going to draw in these tourism dollars. And so I'm trying to find opportunities to get uh, the economic impact of what a local community does and what local trails do for their community. Yeah. Because I feel like that will resonate so much with a lot of our organizations that, you know, you're not going to have this influx of people that are going to come to ride your trails. Mm -hmm. It right. might be secondary, but you're going to have people that are going to move to a neighborhood because there's trails close by and they can ride their bike from their house to the trail and how that impacts the community. I, I think that that's an, even more important than what tourism dollars are going to do. So that's that's like one of the big things that I'm trying to figure out and get somebody to do an economic impact study. But 
Those things are freaking expensive. Oh yeah, they're crazy expensive. They do them. um, I deal with it in the film industry. So just so you know, like I deal with tax incentives, and right now I'm in a huge fight with the state. Someone is trying to rewrite the bill. So it's the same political games that we have to play where you're dealing with that. They did an economic study, and the study came out, and they used Georgia. So here's what I mean by this: it's a real challenge on that side of it. They used Georgia as a model for Alabama. So we have film tax incentives, but if people don't know, Atlanta, Georgia, it makes more movies than Hollywood like the majority of it, they use the economic economic impact from Georgia and said that that dollar worth, every dollar spent in state by a movie, they said it was worth $9 to the state of Georgia. They said that's the same thing in Alabama. That is mathematically impossible. Mm-hmm. Georgia generated like $350 million plus million of production, whatever it is. Someone got maybe a billion. It's a crazy number. We had like $70 million. There's That doesn't make sense. And so it became this real issue. And, and so to your point... I think that's the challenge. I love the idea. It's genius. If you can find that, like, I don't even know how to get there, but that's what we need. If you show a community impact, that goes beyond the dollar because now now it's people living that's spending, you know, because they look at the tax dollar turnover and suddenly a lifetime value of a homeowner is 10, let's just say average value of a, a season house is 10 years. That's 10 years worth of taxes that if mountain bike trails help land that, that's a huge economic impact, right? Yeah. Versus like, I'm here for a weekend. That's a big impact, and you take the numbers and multiply, but the lifetime value is much better. So it's an interesting concept. I love, I lo- I, me personally, it gives me goosebumps. Seriously, I but get excited about that stuff. It's a, it's a quantifiable thing. You know, like we can talk about mountain bikes and how it affects communities because we know what it does, like the group. But you talk to somebody that doesn't know mountain biking and doesn't know um, how to ride, you do not need the WWF. Jeez, that's, that's not big. yours. You're not the welterweight champion of the By world. the way, he's not talking to me. He yeah. looks like he's talking to me. He's talking to the dog. <laughs> yeah, my dog, Eleanor, is here. She's checking everything out, stretching. She's probably smelling um, dirty. But what, what governmental entities understand are dollars and cents mm-hmm. and quantifiable data. And we just we don't have that. So many stick and ball groups, sure, there's tons of data because every single small town in America has a baseball diamond. They have a football field. They have soccer fields. And so there's there's comparables. And we just, we're so young as a sport, as being a legit sport, or and sport's weird. Like, I've listened to some podcasts, and it's actually an activity. It's not really a sport. It's just, it's Ooh, things that we do like outside. It. It's an activity. It's not cheerleading. cheerleading because you can, activity. yeah, well, and a sport implies competition. <laughs> and you can ride a mountain bike and never compete. Right. Never, ever race. And right. have a great time doing it. Um, so there's just not enough time and we haven't been around for long enough to have that quantifiable data. That's incredibly important for further development in all communities. And I think that some of it, it could be difficult to quantify, yeah, to, to measure because like we helped each other as a community get through COVID like because of mountain biking. Yeah. You know, like, and mountain biking helped a lot of communities in that regard. And I think that would be really difficult. Like, you can't measure mental health. Yeah. So it's like, how do you go in there and be like, hey, we have this group of 200 people in a 300,000 area yeah, but person. He, here's my only thing. Here's my thing about, about we said the C word, so we're into it. Yeah. Uh, the thing about COVID was, if you look at what happened, COVID caused this. Were you at the bike shop then? Oh, yeah. I worked at a bike shop. Okay, there. so great. So we look at COVID. COVID causes this massive 
and I am not, by the way, I am going to say this directly, Lynn, just so people know I'm sincere. This is not making light of anyone who passed away or suffered or deal long-term effects. That is not it. I'm only going to talk about economic impact for a second. It royally fucked economic impact up because it created a false surge on a lot of fronts. My business included, we surged because people needed video to communicate. So my numbers from, from the pandemic were higher. So like we had to throw those out and say, okay, that was not a realistic number. I know for a fact that I'm going to put you on camera talking about it. You were a bike shop. You were the manager of James Bros, right? At yeah. that time? Yeah. That was absolute effing chaos, was it not? Yeah, it was. We sold bikes hand over fist, and we were also like appointment only. So it was me and another dude slinging as much as we possibly could until we couldn't get any more. And then what really drove me out of wanting to work in a bike shop, I loved like working in a shop. We also had beer. And you're, so. a, you're, you're a legit shop, though. <laughs> James Bros is a legit shop. Yeah, like we had beer on draft, and it was again like bikes and community. Like I wanted a place for people to come hang out. Right. Uh, it's so weird that that's like this continuous theme. Um, but not on this show. When no. <laughs> when <laughs> when COVID happened, we shut down the bar so nobody came and hung out, and that kind of bummed me out. And then I loved like just being able to, to share what I like about bikes and getting people psyched about riding bikes. Yep. And always saying yes, like you want to do that? Yeah, we can get that. Yeah, I can do that. Like yes. And then when I had to start saying. No, no, no. I just was like, I'd go home every day and was just like, I can't do this anymore, man. Like it is, it's too much, but it is like, and you can even look at Sorba numbers. I wasn't with Sorba at the time, but our membership numbers skyrocketed yeah. because philanthropy organizations, everybody was given, like everybody was like, here you go. And now we've seen a, a leveling off, but basically if you drew a straight line from pre-COVID to post-COVID, membership numbers would be, it'd be the same like trajectory it just there was a huge jump and then we've just leveled right. off yeah it's just a weird thing where at least for me I, I just feel like a lot of times i saw a lot of decisions getting made based on what happened during covid and the bike industry huge i, I mean it looks now like we're gonna the stuff starting to get cheap and things yeah. are like prices are dropping drastically and there's fire sales and stuff and i think i think even andy had mentioned like there was some product like they were seeing like a dip in sense of not sales but like not like bud light dip not like a Bud Light dip. That's 21%. <laughs> yeah. But they are seeing something where there's a shift and things are dropping down and all that. The thing that's fascinating was the thing that seemed to be a constant was the community grew, right? In the sense of, and what I mean by communities, it may not be numbers, but it may be that that tension, that bond between people mm -hmm. grew from that. So now you have like riders who are back in the game. Dale is a prime example of that who probably wasn't taking his role very seriously. I'm not throwing you under the bus, but I'm going to drive right. over you a couple times. <laughs> um, but wasn't probably taking his role very seriously. But post-COVID, now all of a sudden realizes there's a big community and we see a surgence from our local Samba chapter um, and that side of it. So, I mean... You yeah, I think it was uh, during COVID, it was... Before, it was like, oh, we're just a bunch of a-holes riding bikes. But then it was like, shit, this is like people that we need to impress and like bring into the community like they need us as much as we need them and i think that was why samba grew i mean you know the numbers we grew from like 40 members to 200 in in no time and i mean that's a testament to the soft member he did a lot of that um but it's like they're they're renewing a lot of them are you know so it's like they've seen the value in what the local chapter brings um i think that sometimes it's like the the I, the funny thing is we told some people that you were coming and they're like wait Sorba's coming here but why like it was a they just didn't get like they're like we're the redheaded stepchild of the mountain bike world in Alabama especially and so it was kind of like 
Yeah, we are a chapter of them, you know, like we are making waves, you know, we are riding our bikes. And it was the same with Fox, though. Like Andy was like, dude, it was great to see all these people with Fox stuff in the woods. And I think that's what we started out to do is like prove that we are the same as those people, <laughs> you know, like I think, we are the same. But that, and that's one of the things that's interesting. Uh, um, I feel like it's a, a huge win on you being in the spot. Mm-hmm. You came from, uh, and I don't know any of the past ones because I didn't, back when I rode 20 years ago, like I, I was the same way. I rode for a while. I took a nasty injury uh, and then I quit. And so then I came back just after the pandemic. It was like t- at the end of 20, um, 21, whatever it was. And so I came back into it. So it's interesting to see that now, like there's, I joined Emba because I was like, somebody took care of these trails or I joined Samba, but somebody took care of these trails. I mean, obviously I owe them something. So I felt like it was just an honorary thing. Just throw some money at them and be like, Hey, thanks. I'm just going to ride and do my thing. And then I started seeing that there was a community that mm-hmm. was, that was centered on it. And that's what I think is very fascinating. And about- if you didn't join, Alan would chastise you. <laughs> yeah, he would. He was very, we've said his name too many times. Though. I know. Now Damn. he's on the hook. Yeah. Um, he doesn't listen anymore. Should, he's too busy. He's the soft member on this. I, I figured out who he was pretty early on. Listening. <laughs> Some people are like, who's a soft member. <laughs> I think we painted a pretty broad <laughs> yeah. picture of like, Hey, who's the biggest a-hole, you know, but does seem to get shit done. And they're like, yeah. Oh yeah, Alan, we got it. Yeah. Um, it was when you said that he knew everything about you before you knew who he was. <laughs> Yeah. Just like because I know who the soft member is and <laughs> like and what he yeah. does for a living, and I was like, I, I'm generally afraid that he may know more about me than I know about me. Yeah. He certainly has a special set of skills. There is no doubt. Yeah, but I think what's fascinating is the community side of stuff. The, if the approach and and the and the viewpoint that you're kind of positioning, which is awesome, is this community side. You came from the community, yeah. so if that's what we're going to see going forward, I think what you're going to end up with is that I don't think it's a bad, I don't think it's bad. There's always going to be people that don't agree with organization. That's just the reality of it. Right. But what I, there's people that don't agree with what we do. No, there's people absolutely. that trash us a lot yeah. that we're dangerous and we're, we're you janky know. and we ride junky stuff. And we don't know what we're doing and we're getting people hurt. Like, okay, well they're outside. So yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. They did it themselves, but maybe what ends up happening is that that side of it, people don't go that way. They're, they're excited like we were that you're coming. Like, so if Sorba is going to show up or Sorba mentioned that it's a, a, a badge of excitement that, Hey, we're part of that group too. And there's that, that, mm-hmm. so I think building that up more, because as I was kind of referencing earlier is like, if we, if we hold ourselves to be like, Oh, well, we're never going to be that. Then you're going to live under this mentality that I'm, I'm never going to be part of it. I'm always mm-hmm. going to be the outsider. Bullshit. We ought to be known as the most fun party community. And I mean, because once once you're done with our nine miles of trails, like the only thing left to do is is eat crawfish and drink beer. I mean that's that's what people should, mm-hmm. that's what we should be known for down here. So I think it's interesting that you have that sort of platform on the community side. Yeah, it's I like why not? Like that's the fun of mountain biking, is to get done and sit in the parking lot and drink a beer, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and hang out and shoot the shit and like talk to people and. You know, they they may just be your riding friends. Like you don't hang out and go to the movies with them on a Friday night, but you know what? They're your good friends in the parking lot. That's yeah, right. we very we very rarely have ever met each other's spouses. Like for the most part, you know, unless your spouse rides. Like we have because we're friends. But yeah. I mean, like a lot of the dudes we ride with, we've never met their families. No, yeah, no, know? most of them you, I wouldn't know them. I, I wouldn't know what to say or do. Or, I wouldn't do even it. know how to act in front of them. <laughs> like, do I need to make eye contact or do we just? Uh, <laughs> Tap my foot three times. Wait, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we run from it. What? Um. All right. So let me let me jump to this because I feel like I we can talk about more about that as much as you want. You can work it in however you want. You're the president or executive director. That's your job. By no means am I asking you to pick favorites here. 
but you've obviously ridden a lot. And I know that Standing Boy, you enjoy a trail there. Mm-hmm. You talked about Goldilocks earlier. But in your in your territory of regular riding, which you get around a good bit, what are what are some of the trails that you feel like are first off, what's your favorite trail? And then my next question would be what's the most overlooked trail? What's the trail that nobody knows about? Oh, uh, so the trail that nobody only knows one about. Answer. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of what we rode today, it, honestly, I can't remember any of the names. Um, I don't think it's good. It's really good that you don't. Maybe yeah. poop shoot might have been one of them. I don't know. No, that's <laughs> a good one. <laughs> Dang it! That's what we call the, the rampage into the poop shoot. <laughs> uh, but I think like probably and. Honestly, there's good trail everywhere. That's the that's the big lesson to learn is that there's good trail everywhere. And yeah. if you don't have these preconceived ideas of what trail is going to be, just go out and ride and have a good time. Like Caloosahatchee, uh, CRP down in Fort Myers-ish, Florida. It's flat. It's Florida. But man, it's a ton of fun. It's pedally. It's crazy. And you can go and do like 12, 14 miles an hour. When, we, when I met oh, yeah. Dale in Tallahassee, uh, the Munson Trails. It's even even the Tallahassee folks least favorite trails there had a blast. We were yeah, we had fun. hauling. Yeah, we were hauling. Right. Um, but I, I think overall the most overlooked trail system is going to be the Ridgeline Trails over in Jackson, Mississippi. Interesting. You've ridden those, right, dude? That, mm, no, no, we haven't done Ridgeline. I went to Bonita. It's like it's sixty-ish acres, and that place is it's overlooked. It's the private park. It, well, so you have to be a member of the chapter. They're like our third or fourth largest chapter. Um. Really? Yeah. So you have to be a member of the chapter to, because they are leasing the land for not a lot of money, um, and you have to be a member of the chapter to ride those trails or a member of Sorba, and they are freaking awesome. Like that's a fun trail. Somebody's talked about them to me before, and I cannot remember who it is. They were on this show, and we They're, talked about it. Maybe it's John Mackey. Well, I think. Oh. I know Somebody's somebody, brought them up before, and they said that they were fantastic. But I, I always confuse them with Mount Zion. I guess no, that's Brookhaven. Mount Zion's in Brookhaven. Oh, yeah, so like Zach and Chris Wise and all those okay. crew over and there. It's what's a, the bike shop over there? Uh, I just met him. Jeremy Polk yeah, is the is the owner. Of Bicycle uh, Revolution. Yeah, I met him at Bogchito a couple weeks ago. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he said we need to come over there. I just it's. I mean, you don't think a lot about. Good riding yeah. in Mississippi. Let's be real. And I mean, yeah. you talk about riding in Alabama outside of Alabama, and people are like, oh, there's no good riding in Alabama. There's really good riding in Alabama. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing. Like, these guys have taken a very small piece of land and made a really, really fun trail system out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen the Strava maps of it, and it's like an ant farm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, it's all zigzag. Like, you probably see all the trails every time you're on another trail. <laughs> Yeah, like it's side by it's side. it's really a lot like the Reb in that you don't really see them as you're riding mm-hmm. because the terrain is what it is and the trees are what it is. So you don't get a lot of glimpses of other trails and other riders. But man, it's a ton of fun. Like it, cool. that's a ton of fun. Um, we should head over there. Yeah, it, it's a it's worth a trip. It's worth a trip to go ride. Um, and then Knoxville is. I mean, I'm there for the summer. So I got the opportunity to to spend the summer living in Knoxville. I can leave from the house that I'm staying at, ride five miles of pavement, or half mile, sorry, 0.5 miles of pavement, and I'm on single track. Right. And I can be at Baker Creek on single track in like five miles. Um, 
and you look at it like, what do you want your daily driver to be? You guys talked a lot about cars last episode. Mm-hmm. So your yep. daily driver is something that's going to be reliable and fun. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it, you can, it'll kick it up, but you're not going to be driving a, a 69 Chevelle every <laughs> yeah. single day. Yeah. That's, that's a boatload of fun, but you're going to drive something that's going to be a good time and that you want to get in it every single day. And that's what Knoxville is. That's what you marry. Yeah. Right? That's what you marry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so it, it the opportunity to be there for the summer like that is and they've done it it's they've done it all grassroots you know it's it's Bentonville with actual soul no oh, um, yeah that's rad yeah it's uh, <laughs> I'll never forget the the time we went to Bentonville for the Embo World Summit um, and me and my friends were going out and I can hear my buddy from across the bar. He's loud. He's got a good Southern accent. He's like, this place is a facade. It's just a facade. <laughs> and it's like, oh, God, that sparkle donkey is really talking right now. And But, I mean, like, there is no depth and soul. Like, Bentonville is great, and it's amazing, and it's a ton of fun to go ride. But there's not a lot of soul behind it because there's just been a ton of money thrown at it. Yep. Um, and, you know, places like Knoxville – it's their soul there because they've had to work for it and they've dug and like been at it for the last like 13, 15 years. Like they've Mm -hmm. really, really worked at it. And I like, I appreciate that. And you can feel the community vibe behind it. Yeah. There's no doubt that like, uh, anything up that way, like it's the same vibe. Um, and that's why I like Chattanooga so much. I haven't ridden Knoxville as much, but, um, Chattanooga is only, it's an easy drive. And I just, I love the community. They've always been like, just super friendly from the get-go. One of the guys invited us up to ride. What's their new one? It's not open yet, maybe. Walden, Walden's Ridge, Walden's yeah. Ridge yeah. They're having, they were having like parking issues last time I talked to them, but, um, or something something city-related. But the fact is that they have that stuff. They built, that was an organic sort of vibe up there, as it feels like, and same sort of thing, and, and hanging out Suck Creek Cycles, a real bike shop. Again, like I walked in, looking around, they just hand me a beer, like, you want a Coors Light or whatever at the time? And it's like, yeah, I'll take a Pabst and whatever, drinking a beer. That kind of stuff. Building that out, I think, is really fascinating. But that's community driven, right? Mm-hmm. And that's still the cool part is you have like people coming back and forth to hit those places up and and make it happen. Knoxville is on a, is on the list though. We just haven't been up that way. What's hey, your come on. What's your take on uh, standing, standing boy? That's it, honestly that is like one of the best things that happened to that area. It's my house in Opelika. It's forty five minutes from there. Uh, Tualatin State Park. It was. It's uh, about twenty minutes, so it's twice the drive. And I mean, Blake and the whole uh, CVA crew over there have done just such a killer job with that place, raising money, getting it done, and getting like a really, really awesome product on the ground. Um, they've been soft pushing it because parking has been an issue it's no longer an issue access has been a little bit weird they've gotten it figured out so now they're really like driving people to go there and you should go like yeah it's good it's fun uh i haven't been since the jump line did they get did they get trail solutions back on is that a trail solutions scenario do you know so trail solutions did the the layout and then they they've done some builds and they've also subbed out some of it sweet uh so some of the one of the groups i met them the last time i was in the parking lot uh pinnacle Um, they're based out of New York. Um, wow. Yeah. They were down for the, those Northerners love to come down to the South in the winter and build trail. Right. Uh, Cause the winter sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's the trail building season. Steve that Steve that I met at the Sorba summit from Emma trail solutions was one of the designers, I think of that. Yeah. And he's lives up there. 
Yeah, he he's lives in the Maine. North. Yeah, he moved to he lived on North Martha's Vineyard when I met him. Yeah, but yeah, I think he's moved to Maine now. Yeah, but he's building trails in Maine. Built some tons of trails in West Virginia. Yeah, yeah. First time I met him was in the parking lot at Standing Boy. Yeah, yeah. It, that he's I, super cool too. You can't say enough about that place. Um, and it's it's Columbus is good. It's the second largest city in in Georgia. Uh, which oh, you wouldn't. Have. I had yeah. no idea. They've got urban uh, whitewater, so right there oh, on the Chattahoochee oh, yeah. River. Yeah. And military base there. Yeah, big military yeah. base. Um, cool little bar scene, cool restaurant scene. It's a it's a fun town. Yeah, yeah. I I, I we when we rode, we had a great time. Um, I swung by and I think it was Jakey Poo that was with us. It was because we almost died. It was too hot. It was in the middle of the summer. <laughs> no, I almost died at two. Died at Chewy, but we had ridden <laughs> Chewy that with Jake. We went the same thing. We did. There's a great trip. You can hit up Chewy. And then bounce over to Standing Boy and like spend one night and you're just like, hell yeah. And then if we've planned one all the way up to Coldwater and mm-hmm. back down, so you get all the stuff. But it's great, great little spot. Brickyard Bikes is there. Those guys are really good over there, really friendly folks. So it's it's well, cool Peter's spot. from here. Yeah. Yeah. Or lived here for a while. No, yeah, I didn't know Brickyard. That. Yeah. You know Peter? Oh yeah, I know Peter. Yeah, he used to work at the Trek store. When I first moved here, I met Peter there. And then we did some trail work at the bug together and he can't moved over there and opened up that bike shop. Nice. Yeah, yeah Peter guy. went to school at Auburn. I, I knew him when he was in school at Auburn. Cool. Yeah, I like Peter. Is he a design guy? Uh, He's a road I, bike racer, though, wasn't he? Yeah. Did he race road bikes? Or yeah. Something? I don't know. I... I met him through bikes, not through design. I just wasn't sure. Yeah. He's a, he's a hell of a rider too. He's a great rider. Um, we had talked, I'd heard you talk about before photography. Are you still doing photography? We talked a little bit today. We were talking about Fuji and stuff. Do you still, is that still something you do? Um, I do it for me mostly. Uh, and I do a lot of stuff for social, for Sorbo. So like yeah. any of the photography work rather than paying somebody to go out there and do photography, I do it. But it, like, it's just an excuse for me to get out in the woods is really like, I, get it. I, I tote the camera around, I go out in the woods and take pictures of stuff. That's, yeah. that's what I like. And I, cameras have always been a part of my life too. Um, I've got rolls of film from my dad's Nikon that I used to shoot when I was a kid, uh, like 12 years old. So yeah. it's like bikes and cameras. That's basically been my life. And here we are doing both of them. No, no, I totally get it. I mean, that's the same world. I shot on a old uh, Minolta. And so I have like all this old vintage glass that I've gotten adapters for to, to use on my, my cinema cameras and stuff. And I mean, it's, they're different. They're not like what, I mean, I've shot on everything. So I've shot on high end glass and all the way down the line, but that vintage glass, just cause I know it was my dad's, it's just personal. And all of a sudden it's a special lens and it means something. And that kind of vibe. Do you, so when you go do stuff, you're doing like landscape stuff, not, not professionally, but what is the, what is the photos that, what is your connection to them? What are you trying to capture with your imagery? Um, so there was a long time that I was really focusing on stuff in Alabama and, oh, uh, cause in general, I think the outdoors in Alabama are underappreciated and it's a really beautiful state. Um, so it, I would go and try to find these views, whatever it is, be it big landscapes, be it small, uh, creeks, waterfalls, just like trying to bring some awareness of the outdoor beauty that Alabama has. Uh, and now I'll go and I'll do a hike for an overlook. I love waterfalls, like anything with, with creeks and water, I'm into it. And then macro stuff, uh, yeah. mushrooms, ferns, leaves, textures, like that's really kind of what I focus on now. It's just like small things that I think are really interesting that often get overlooked. It's kind of fascinating because it's an interesting juxtaposition from last week where it's like, Big I'm taking a photo grand. of a car and he's putting that car into space. And then, you know, he's shooting these epic wide shots. I mean, he'll get details, but not... It's the polar opposite of macro, which is is 
is the challenge. That's why photography is amazing. It's just like riding, right? Yeah. We're still doing the same thing, but I enjoy more enduro-y, downhill-y type vibes. Um, and the guys in Knoxville endure, enjoy way more than I'll ever enjoy, um, guys and gals. But like the idea is, is that we all just share the same, in this case, share the same love of photography. And Dale, D- on the other DJ hand. Is, yeah. DJ, one of our rep guys, is a super into like mushroom photography and yeah, yeah. small stuff. He yeah. loves doing it. He, he loves macro posting, for sure. Yeah. Like as a creative person, I have to have some sort of creative outlet, mm-hmm. and a lot of my job, people are like, "Oh wow, yeah, you're the executive director of mountain biking. Like you get to go and do mountain biking all the time." I'm like, "Yeah," and I also sit on the computer a lot. Like mm-hmm. I'm reading contracts, I'm reading through uh, insurance policies, I'm doing social media stuff. Like I do a lot of computer work, and. It's it's not the most creative thing sometimes. So right. like I need that creative itch or else I just go crazy if I don't do something that is at least like an expressive art form. Is there anything about like now that you've had a little bit of run through it, is there anything that stands out that like going into this role, stepping into it that you you were just like, okay, woo, that all right, I'm ready to challenge, you know, like a challenge that, that stood out in a way that, you know, like. Well, let me, pre- let me ask a little bit further yeah. into that same thing. Like. Sorba and Imba have an image, right? An image of like 26 inch narrow barred cross country old people, you know, like it really does. Like when I was going to the summit, this is seriously my perception of, all right, I'm going to go see a bunch of people with tucked in khakis on and, you know, like old people just shaking their hands and I get there and it wasn't, I found my, my group of people at the bar, of course, but I found those people, but it was like, there's an image of that is what the the like professional side of mountain biking looks like, but you're like obviously our age and a little bit younger and get the bigger picture of it. Like, Hey, we don't have to cater to this 26 inch narrow bar people. Like you can change the whole image of what people perceive of Sorba and Imba. And so I feel like just coming on here is a good step in that. If that's what your goal is, I mean, obviously you're running it so you can do whatever you want, but it is like that something that you're looking towards doing, like making it more broad or like, taking away that perception yeah like progression is the name of the game like we are we're here to develop riders and Mm -hmm. and to give people the experience to ride however they want to if if you know riding flat cross-country trails is your jam and you wear spandex good for you like go have fun like and we need to be able to provide that right if you like to do dirt jumps sweet go do that Mm -hmm. we need to be able to provide that uh, if you like to do like really chunky kind of natural trail, that's awesome. Like go do that. We need to be able to provide that. And I think that that's the, that's the perception that a lot of people don't have with trail advocacy is that there's, there's a lot of focus on, um, on the details. And, and I think the details are extremely important in that, you know, being environmentally conscious, being economically conscious, mm-hmm. um, being, um, uh, you know, good neighbors to the other trail users. Yes. Cause number one, most of the trail that we work on is on private or, or public property. It's not on private property. So we got to work with a lot of different user groups, but there's the perception that Sorba and Emba in general are a no group. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of no, like, no, don't do that. No, don't do that. That's a great, I mean, that's, and that's it ours. Perception. And, yeah, and, and that was or my was, perception was. when I was uh, the president of my chapter. You know, like we built a 30 foot road gap in, <laughs> in Chihuahua State <laughs> Park. And uh, it's, 
as the chapter president, I sweated a lot. Like I just was like, "Oh my god, why are we doing this? Like this is dumb. Like how are, we're we're just." But it it like it naturally weeds itself out because you roll up to it and it's like, "Okay, that's a pretty big freaking jump. Like I'm not even going to remotely touch that." Um, and I want to show people that we're riders. Like there's a lot of people that are coming into the leadership roles in their chapters that are in that position. Like they're riders. Like they get out and they enjoy riding bikes. And they're pretty good at it. Um, I'll never forget when I first got the job and I was telling my friends, they were like, dude, you're going to have to get in shape and like be a really, really good rider. I'm like, what are you talking about? And they're like, you're going to get Sorba guide. Every single time you go to a trail yeah, network, yeah, okay. you're going to meet the people that have built the trails that know these trails like the back of their hand, and they're going to try to ride you into the ground. You got to be able to oh, hold pace. Today. He yeah. rode great. Today. He rode great. It's just, but that's like that's but two and a half years of being sorba guy, doesn't right. matter <laughs> myself. And it is true. Like, and it's just the natural way of things. Mm-hmm. Not only you're not well, like we're also men, right? Like, yeah. There's a hierarchy. You're like, oh wait, testosterone's yeah, a hell testosterone. of a drug. <laughs> it is. And adrenaline mixed. Yeah. Like, I just drank three monsters. I'm ready to do this. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. that's truth. Yeah, it, but they're they're proud of what they do, mm-hmm. and they ride it all the time, so they know it. And I'm coming into it blind, and I've just got to trust the person in front of me. Right. And that's that's what I've learned, and it's also really great, because I don't have to get to an intersection. It's like, well, do I go left or do I go right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah. I don't know where I am hey, in I'm this place, Sorba but guy. I'm just following the I'm person. I'm the Sorba guy. Can somebody show me around? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, everybody's like, yes, 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 yeah, me, yeah. me, me, me. Um, but it's it's that sharing of, it's it's like a kid with a toy. You know, you got this new remote control car, and you go to your friend's house, and you're like, guys, look at this. Like, I want to show you my thing. Mm-hmm. And they're so proud of it, and they're so excited about it. And you never, like, you never say, wow, that was just, like, unremarkable. Mm-hmm. It's usually good because you feed off the energy of the people, the stoke that they have on their own trails and why they ride the trails and how they like the trails and, like, what they've done and the group around it. It's just, man, like, I've said it probably a hundred times like this is the best job that i could probably have at this point in time in my life like i love what i do mm-hmm. it's incredible and being able to be a part of so many different communities across the southeast is just it's it's great yeah i think one of the things that I, we keep i mean obviously that's the theme of this show is is community and one of the takeaways that we've had is um as i've observed is that there's always this push for growth uh, in the sense of like, cause we want to see more riders out there. We want more people out there. When I was in Phoenix, um, I am a proud member of the married, not dead club. And as a member of that, the number of women riders that I encountered was insane. <laughs> oh, I get what you're to saying. A point, yeah. To a point though, that I turned and I was talking to James about, I was like, man, this is more women on trails than I've seen in a long time. Right. And he was like, Oh no, out here. It's like, it's like 50, 50. I was mm-hmm. like, good grief. And that may be, Again, my experience, my home trails, not so much. The Reb is as diverse as we could possibly ask for in terms of like quantifiable numbers. Mm-hmm. But in the sense of like reality, we still don't. We're, Justine is at a class now to learn to ride to get better or whatever. And maybe in other sectors, there's more of that. But what I think is fascinating is this, this idea that um, we've got to find a way to make community so comfortable that any person in any walk in any space, wherever they are, it doesn't matter what their scenario is that they can like show up and the common language. We may not agree on everything politically, emotionally, socially, whatever it is, but we all have the common language of riding. And I think that's something that's really, really valuable about organization, like what Sorba has. 
And I look forward to seeing like how that, that maybe can grow. And I think the only way that grows is not with trails. I, I don't think so. I think it's with community stuff. Is that, is that sort of, are you guys taking initiatives? Is that part of the conversation to be like, how do we encourage more people to build the community side of things? Is that something that maybe have you thought about or y'all looking at or in your world? Yeah. That's so, not a tee up for a negative. By no, name. the, um, the last summit that we had in old fort, uh, about a month ago, um, the whole theme was community and partnerships. Like yep. that was the entire theme of every Sweet. session, community Sweet. and partnerships. Like that's, and that's what we're hammering home. Um, over the winter, we did some strategic planning, and it was intentional with me taking over as executive director, uh, is to to realign the direction of where we're going and what Sorba is and who we are and how we function. So our new mission statement is super simple, very basic. Everybody should have the mental, physical, and social benefits that Mountain Bike provides. Like, that's boom, great. done, easy. Yeah, yeah. Like, and great. that's... That's what we're. That's what we're here to do. We're help. Sorba's here to help you develop your community, and and be a part of a bigger group to to bring more people in. Like it, you talked about number of women writers in uh, Scottsdale, right? Scottsdale. I was in Phoenix. Phoenix. Same thing. Same um, and so I'm a part of a quarterly call with different executive directors from across country, and demographic numbers are not much different everywhere. I thought like here in the South, I was like, Oh man, our demographic numbers are going to be all bros. It's going to be all bros. Yeah. But we were like almost number for number for evergreen up in, uh, Washington state. Wow. Like almost exactly the same. So what that means is that it's just in general, the culture of mountain biking is the same and that we collectively need to be better about being more inclusive about who we bring in and, and how we introduce people to mountain biking. Yeah. It's one of those things we've talked about before, like with Carrie and some other players, like we are not, I, you can't get rid of bro culture in the sense of like, I don't mean douchebags, a douchebag. It doesn't matter where they are, but the bro culture side, that's part of it. It's the history of the sport. It's some of it in there, but what we can do is turn around and be like a little more conscious of the idea of like, maybe that bro culture, if there's like, cause we've seen it a few times, Dale's been very good about getting more riders in, but we might have somebody in the parking lot that identifies in this, that not with the bro culture at all, guy, girl, whatever they identify as. And so in that space, it's, it's making sure that we're like, Hey, just come ride. Like we're not, that's the zero drop concept of like mm-hmm. getting rid of this idea of like even speed, because all of a sudden if you put speed up, right. And you have this dude that's been like, well, Dale's fast. But if I'm going to go on a run with Dale and Dale's leading a run or a ride, like you can't drop everybody. What the fuck good mm-hmm. does that do? All you've done Doesn't is just do make anything. someone feel like shit. Right. So why would you want to ride a bike again if you feel like shit? And I don't mean the physical part. I'm talking about an emotional drop mm-hmm. that happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to it. That makes me super stoked. For real. Like that's the kind of stuff I want to see. And the message, the, the new, that's fantastic. Simple. It's effective. Yeah. That kind of stuff. That's how we're going to see change and like see growth in a good way and long term. Well, long-term we've had growth. this, we've had to talk about like the female thing. Like we know there's a, there's a thing with the women in our chapter or not women in our chapter for that matter. But so we've, we've talked about it, but like what we have deduced like locally, it's not comfortable to ride here. <laughs> like it's either buggy. Yeah. It's super hot. The trails that are the, not the red trails are super rooty and it's hard to ride. So it's like females tend to say, eh, all right, I'm going to take a Well, there's not check. enough guidance is what we found. Well, that too, yes. Yeah. So it was like we need to like 
I mean, team guidance, like to collect. Right. Yeah, yeah. Collectively. So it's like, it's really hard to, there's to get them. And just like the youth thing with bug, it's like youthful youth and women, right? Like to try to get them excited and women excited on there's two different trail systems, yeah. right? Like to get a youth kids excited and a female excited are way too different. And there's no knock on either side of it. It's just the riding styles would be totally different, you know, not so, to shill, but that's exactly the reason why, Sorba needs to exist. Right. Right. Yeah. It's because they can help enable those. Exactly. Because the biggest thing, and I'm not speaking for you now. I'm just going to, this is personal opinion. I'm just making sure because you're, you know, leadership side. The biggest takeaway that I hear when people complain about, like, where did my Imbadoos go or my Sorba doos or whatever? If someone cranks up that language, they ride typically one trail. Yep. They ride their home trails only, mm-hmm. and they never leave the damn state, much less their city. Right. And because they're not out there riding, they're missing the point of all of it. Yeah. Like, my contribution doesn't just affect my home trails. Does it? Yes, a portion of it. But it also affects all those great trails that go ride all over the place. Mm-hmm. Like, my, it affected the trails. Uh, my Imba money affected trails that I rode in Phoenix, Arizona. It'll affect the trails that, that I ride in Chattanooga all the time. I'm not members of all those chapters. Right. But my one my one bit of membership, you know, I know the money gets parsed out, and I get it, and that's politics on the other side. But like, it does affect that way, and I think that's a huge takeaway. Well, the other thing is, like, I'm a middle aged white male. I cannot go stand on a street corner and be like, "Women, come ride with me in the woods." Yeah, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> or kids, like not kids, but like twenty year olds, come ride with me in the woods. Like, that's not going to work. Yeah, but like an organization can do that, yeah. right? So that's where we all have to look, maybe to work together more to do those kind of things, you know, like I don't, I don't, we do it. We say Samba, but even, even when we make a post about like Samba's doing an event, it still doesn't scream like everybody's welcome. Yeah. It, you know, everyone is. And we've tried to do, if you show up, you realize like everyone is, but like to advertise it, it's really, really hard to, to try to break into that. And we've had kids rides that were big, but guess who brought all the kids, the dads, yeah. you know, like, yeah. so it was, it's just it's tough. It's really tough. And it's a it's a thin line when you when you advertise it and you put it out there of you know actually being inclusive or just doing it because you're supposed to or like Shit, making it a the, front. That's, that's the truth. Because everybody can sniff that out. Yeah. And like anybody that's ever it doesn't matter what it is whether you're me that that <laughs> I tell the story <laughs> Dale. At first, was very nice to me and made me feel included. Now, he made fun of me behind my back. But at the beginning, <laughs> he didn't. But that gave me enough energy to keep riding, yeah. right? Even me, just even not even talking about like the, the typical, prototypical inclusivity remarks. There's also the side of like, take that plus then the novice factor. So now you might feel outside and then outside again. Yeah. And that's really going to push you away. So to your point, if I feel like you're just peddling and i think uh, if you're just pushing this agenda i think a lot of people pick up on it. i think that's awesome a good point yeah and what you were saying about the street corners so at the summit this time we had a um we had a panel discussion uh that was talking about building a diverse writer group and we had representatives from different organizations across the region that were on this panel and i was coming up with the idea of it and was like I can't be the person that is the MC to this. Like me mm-hmm. as a middle-aged white dude, right. like yeah. I can't I can't no. facilitate this conversation. So I reached out to uh Natalie who's the executive director of Pisgah Area Sorba and was like, "Hey, will you do this because you're the right person to do this. It's mm-hmm. not me. Like I can't I can't lead this conversation. You need to lead this conversation." Right. She's like, "Heck yeah, let's do that." And right. we did, and it was it was awesome. 
but it's like it's it's hard from what your typical demographic is of of mountain bikers which is us like yeah, middle-aged white guys all listeners right now yeah <laughs> to Based say on our stats. <laughs> we need to we need to do better about bringing in diverse folks because it can't be us that leads that conversation no, it's right. it's people like carrie that's here local right. who's an incredible person she's got to lead that conversation mm-hmm. it's it's uh like the the people up in knoxville again the ambc joyride they're it's a women-led group they need to lead that conversation and they need to have that space provided that they will do those uh, <laughs> they'll 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 do those group rides and it's our job and that entire thing is to be okay with providing the space to make those things well happen. and I think that the new mission statement helps this because then people say why do we need women why do we need that why do we need diversity be like everybody because of the mission statement like yeah right mental health it, it becomes and, a, it becomes yeah. a flag right yeah. it right, becomes yeah. like a flag a banner for us to all get behind right as opposed it's to not it being a woke like thi- it's not a woke thought yeah. right it's no, a, being a better too. human thought. Well, right. Somebody right? even asked the question through like email or social media is like, well, what about e-bikes? And I was like, well, there you go. Yeah, that's being inclusive. Like we need to include yeah, the whole e-bike is, conversation right? in there. Like, yeah. right. It's I, I didn't even think about it in that aspect. But, you know, I've got a good friend back in Auburn that he's like gung ho on his e-bikes right now. And he's getting out and he's riding and like shredding. We, have a, a, great we time. have a member that like that. He'll tell you straight up. Like if he didn't, he rode analog Amish bikes, but if it wasn't for the e-bike, he lost him like 60 pounds from riding a bike yeah. and he's healthier for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not right now. Cause he's had a few wrecks. Well, Cause <laughs> now the mofo sends it. But he wouldn't be in that spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is he stoked? Yes. Is yeah. he riding? Yes. Are they right. having a great time? Heck yeah! Like Are that's, his bones broke? Yeah, absolutely. That, but that's what we're here to do. We're right. pro- we're here to provide not, not break access. Bones. Not, not to break, break bones. bones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're here to provide access right. to have those experiences. That yeah, is right. entirely our role as an organization, as a chapter, as a local community. We're just here to help provide those experiences. What gets you? What gets you uh, removing that best you can? I know it's it's part of your livelihood. What gets you excited about riding now? Like technology wise or looking forward but i mean what do you look at that is to the future and be like okay this is where do you find your stoke when you look towards the future what what gives you stoke on that side of things like on the bike product side of things sure i know you're a bike shop guy you <sighs> i think you've got a little bit of tech in you you seem like you have a little tech in you yeah but i i really like the analog side of bikes like i i've ridden some with uh the electronic shifting i like cable actuated shifting i like uh i like suspension a lot and kind of fiddling with suspension um, again, the not stock photo guy was talking about his revel. I borrowed a buddy's revel. That bike is, I re- I borrowed his Ranger. And the only reason I don't look at the rascal is because of the name. I think the ra- the name is just dumb, Yeah. but the purple rascal and the way that the shorter travel bike pedaled, I'm like, that's the bike for me. That's probably one of the bikes for me. Um, but the the ability of that like one thirty to one fifty travel range bike and what that bike can do now it's gotten to me it's crazy yeah, like I the think that all the brands are doing it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah like yeah. Common Cell came out with one yep. too like yep. it's the new trail bike yeah yeah and it's the efficiency side of it you're you can climb ride you can jump you I mean it it's kind of crazy that it took them this long to realize that but that seems to be. I guess. Well, I think the geometry helps too. Like they tested geometry on those long travel bikes because my camber is a 130 travel bike. Yeah. But it doesn't ride anywhere near like the YT Izzo or, you know, the the new Common Cell Tempo. Like 
there's no way it rides like that. Just because we talked about it earlier, we set on a bike or in a bike, yeah. right? So that's the difference, I think. And I'm I'm riding a trail bike. I ride a 140 uh, Process 134. Like that's that's the bike I ride. That's my full suspension bike. My hardtail is a single speed with a 140 fork, uh, steel frame Reeve. But like, I don't know. Just the way that those bikes ride and how you can ride really diverse trail on the same bike. Uh, cause I'll do anything from like Jared's, which I kind of wish I'd have a bigger bike <laughs> at Jared's, but then I ride like stuff down in Florida all on that bike yep. and it can do it. It's just not maybe the most ideal bike for all the situations. I think it's interesting cause I think the price point wise, it'll start to level out and, you know, we have the surge side of things, remove that it'll level out on those all trail bikes like that mm-hmm. are going to end up being beast where you can spend a little more. And what, especially if you've ridden for a while, not like a first time uh, full sus, but like if you're in that spot and you're like, man, this trail bike, like I kind of wish I would have gotten the Pistola, which is, I ride a Gorilla Gravity. That's their hybrid, which mm. is that. It has that same vibe. I wish I would have gone down that path because I would have had a little more climbing, a bit, it would have been a better all around bike. And yeah. I think it's fascinating that we're getting that to that point. Well, that's the other thing is like, we can't own just one bike now. No, right? yeah. We have to have a whole bunch just to fit every like i want an e-bike i want a single speed i want you know like every time i think about it and then i'm like oh but i want a jeep too yeah you know so it's like (laughs) wait a minute yeah and i I, want a wife so i can't have any of those things i've got two mountain bikes but if you went through like my collection of bikes it's stupid because you know you work at a bike shop right you collect a lot of stuff um and I think kind of shifting the conversation like trail wise, one of the trends that I'm seeing now that I'm really stoked about is this direction more towards the less polished and kind of at least some elements of hand built. Um, people are hiring professional trail builders to get out there and hand build trail. Yeah. Which I think is pretty cool. Um, I love, I love riding all types and, but my favorite is like, kind of that old school hand built through the trees it's going to be tight you feel like you're going 40 miles an hour when you're going like eight miles an hour yep mm-hmm. um and, and just like that element is something that has been missed because of you know what pump, some people would say is the sanitation of trails that a lot of chapters were doing but that's Honestly, that's the most bang for your buck for like but fun that, and diversity. That, that's what I was going to say. That gets people on bikes because yeah. it's easier. Yeah. Right. People like, always ask smoother. me, they're like, how do I build my organization? I was like, well, you have a really good one to two mile beginner trail. Like at Standing Boy. Like they, yep. they, did, it, they did it right there. They built yep. the beginner trail first. And that green trail that they have, I can't remember the name of it. It's off the one that, off to the left of the parking lot or whatever. It's not attached to the primary mountain. Yeah, right? and it yeah. just kind of goes out by itself and yep. then comes back. So fun though, man! If you're a good rider and you rip it, like that thing is a it's ton so of fun. fun. Yeah, and that's the sign of a good trail. Yep, is where an experienced rider can go out and ride it, and a beginner rider can go out and ride it, and everybody is stoked and had a yep. good time. Yeah, um, and being able to provide that opportunity. But yeah, the hand-built trail is is kind of the thing that I'm stoked to see more uh, like professional hand-built trail coming out because it, it brings back that East Coast tight. The Tails Trail is that. Yeah. The shaggy one. Yeah. At, at Oak Mountain. It's tight and like still groomed, 
but still raw and tight. Like well, look, it all flows, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you've you've seen it for a while. It all flows from one thing, you know. Literally talking about like the the meta of whatever the popular meta is at the moment, right? And it'll shift again. Um, right now, we have twenty nine inch tight. You know, we're looking at twenty ers and we're mm-hmm. riding that vibe, and that changes the dynamic. I rode a twenty seven five, uh, that one thirty four. I was on out in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't ridden a twenty seven five. Like when I got back in, twenty ers were around. That was a totally different ride. Mm-hmm. That was crazy. I mean, it was like I could. I felt fast, yeah. maybe faster than I should, but I didn't have as much confidence on rocks. <laughs> like it was just a mental mm-hmm. thing probably, yeah. but even that's going to shift. And, and the stuff that they're building out there or the stuff that we're building here that to me, hand cut flow is the greatest thing in the world because then you get some of this stuff that's a little edgy. It's a little, but you still get some flow out of it. And then there's all trail bikes that we brought up yeah. suddenly become really magical on those because yeah. they're capable and then as you grow as a rider, you can be like, I'm going to push a little more. And then that, that bike has got plenty of room to grow with you, which I think mm-hmm. is awesome in today's day and age of like, we're, we're pretty bad about being a, a, as consumers, we're pretty bad about like, we buy stuff and turn it over very quickly. And we don't necessarily like let that product live for a little while. Yeah. You know, and so it's cool to have the more diversity of that side, the, the riding diversity across that platform. Is there anything like big wise that... Uh, is there any major misconception? This will be the last sort of bit here. But is there any major misconception? Well, we've talked a lot about them, I and mean, you've been very honest, which is badass, frankly. But is there any major misconception that stands out that you're like, I wish people knew X or, or anything in that capacity of like where you are now and you see, get to see the whole picture and most of us see our organizational picture? And that's all we care about, right? Right. I mean, it's hard, grand, I mean right. it's hard to, to not process that thought. Yeah, but is there anything big that stands out that you wish – like, you know, I don't, this reaches people, maybe seven, but like it reaches those seven people, but they might be all from different chapters, but is there any major point if that they're you think not, needs they to should join their local chapter? That's true. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is, are the people that are outside of the realm of what it takes to put trail on public land. Um, it's much harder than the keyboard warriors do on any sort of uh, differently colored bicycle websites. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> right. Uh, it's a it's a challenge, and they don't understand that, and they also don't understand that land managers are going to be the ones that dictate what type of trail is on their property. Yep. If they don't want you to build any wooden features, guess what? You don't build any wooden features. If yep. they don't want you to put any jumps in, guess what? You don't do that. Yeah, it, it's. It's cases like uh, the Black Mountain reroute in Brevard. You know, there was so much like keyboard warrior, like, oh, this is the worst. They're just taking away and sanitizing the trail. You know what? If they didn't do what they did to that trail, you wouldn't have Black Mountain, period. Right. Forest Service is going to close that trail down. Same right. thing with Butter Gap. Like, they're reworking Butter Gap right now. Forest Service shutting that trail down. It has to be rerouted or else non existent. And I think that people don't understand the nuance of of what that takes and how most of the trail that they ride is on public land. Mm -hmm. It's not private property. You can't do whatever the heck you want to do. Yeah, sure. I'd love like every part to go out there and have like a pretty awesome jump line and then this like really gnarly tech line and then a Mm -hmm. beginner trail. But you know what? Not every piece of property will do that. Not every land manager wants you to do that. And it's just not possible. Like, I think one of the best things that's happened to a lot of our chapters are these private bike parks. 
um, because they can build and make these things without having a lot of the loopholes that you have to jump through for public lands. Mm-hmm. Like And the slowness of the bureaucracy. Yeah, they can just Because by the time it gets it. done, you could have different people even on the chapter. Yeah. You know, like different people involved. It takes so long to get something done at a public place. Yeah. Like, like, that's like, why we are who we are. Right. If you If you use an RTP grant, for instance... It has to be there in perpetuity, which means it has to be there in that sense forever, which is something that is hard to even like come with the concept of, mm-hmm. but then be able to take that and translate it to General Joe or General Jill that are trail users that don't understand any of the bureaucracy. They're just like, well, why don't you build this crazy yep. mm-hmm. stupid trail? It's just like... That message is always going to be the message that we fight, regardless of what the leadership is, what the mission is. Um, And I don't know how to get that out, but that's probably, to answer your question, that's like, that is the thing, is we are at the mercy of the people that own the land, and 90% of the stuff that we build is on public land. Right. Yeah, it's what we've talked about here a good bit, is that if, if people would... Um, follow the process that we did. I mean, we're a completely legal sanctioned entity. We have insurance. We are not IMBA affiliate or SORBA affiliated rather, uh, only because we are super private. Would I like to? We've talked about it a lot. That's going to be up to our membership one day, but there's conditions that go with that that we have to make sure that the landowner, that's the game we're playing. Same thing. Mm-hmm. But it was 10 times easier to do that than it was to ask permission to build a jump at our local South Alabama trails. Yeah. And then an RTP grant there becomes sketchy because they don't sell off that land to build dorms. They have to. They're a business. Like they're not. So we're not even on a. Yeah, you're not talking have, about we're in a park. Yeah, we have right? no U.S. Forest Service land yeah, or city so, parks. Like, so it, I, I don't. I, that's a great point. I, I, I genuinely don't think people understand. That it was hard as hell just to do what we did. Mm-hmm. It's ten times harder, and there's red tape for days to get that public stuff set up. And I think that that's a great point. I don't know what the right answer is. I wish I could give you a, a snarky tagline so that I could just bill you later. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the people, the, the thing is the people that will listen, will listen. The people that won't listen, won't listen. And, and it'll, the people that won't listen, won't help anyway. Yeah, right? exactly. That's right. So it, 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 it's a, it's a moot point, but it's also the, the flag that we constantly have to carry and yeah. constantly have to be made aware of. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, are you a social uh, media person? Yeah. Or, or is it driving people to? I mean, are you are you allowed to have a private uh, personal one? Yeah, I do have a private one. It's mostly photography of uh, ferns and mushrooms and stuff. Um, but at Feliciousness, um, how am I going to spell that? Yeah, now? I don't even know how to spell it without writing it down. So, uh, good <laughs> luck. Uh, but you could probably search me, Philip Darden, and you'll find me. Um, but definitely follow Sorba Main. I do all the social media for Sorba, so nice. I'm constantly out there. Um, our our Sorba account uh, only follows all of our chapters and different writer groups, and so I'm constantly reposting stuff that chapters are doing. Um, and follow Sorba Main if you want to know what's going on throughout the region. Um, become a member. Right now we've got a membership drive going on with EMBA. Yep. Uh, you have a chance to be a winner of a Yeti SB160 or a Yeti Ooh. SB140 on top of uh, four other great prize packages. Um, if you're already a member, you can renew during the month and you get entered into the chance to win. Um, it's good through the end of May. And you can also add additional chapters. So if you're a Samba member 
and you do go up to Chattanooga, you can be a member of sort of a Chattanooga as well and add that to your membership. That's pretty rad. Yeah, that's pretty new too. That's you pretty could, new. Yeah, you couldn't do that before. Yeah, yeah, you can only be, it was a singular. Yeah. That's awesome though. I'd love to give them more money. Yeah. It, it's, you can be a member of up to like, I don't know, 10 different chapters. Or oh, so. really? It's, it's yeah, that many? It's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a, it support your local organization, volunteer, um, become a member of your chapter. Um, but more importantly, just get out there and do the work. Like, no dig, no ride. Well, well there you go. That's from the that's from the top, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that's good. I appreciate it. I thank you very much for being on. Obviously, yeah, we were it. super stoked. I was actually more excited, to be honest with you, to get to ride with you, just to hang out. I love having you on the podcast. This conversation that you hear on the podcast was no different, minus all the poopy, farty things because of all of our trail names, yeah. um, <laughs> minus that than we had on the trail. So if anyone is skeptical at all at this point, I will 100% tell you that the conversation here was exactly what we talked about on the trail. Um, again, with less poo-poo pee-pee Yeah, less dick jokes. Yeah. And less, yeah, as Dale said, Richard jokes. Fewer Richard jokes. <laughs> well, and the trails were great. This far, it is what it is. I had a great time. Like, trails are fun. I, I had a great time it. riding with you guys. Like, it was, it was a good day. Yeah, it was good. Mm. Super good. Now we got to go feast. I'm starving. Um, all right, with that said... I think we have to do the old. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, one last plug. If you want that shirt that Dale's wearing, there's only going to be 10 of them. And you should join that group because now we have this guy on the hook to create a shirt for us. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have to uh, you have to go over and, and search the, the group out is the Red Private Group. There's going to be 10 of their shirts. They're $30 a piece. But you could win from a waffle your money back plus an extra $25. That's right. That seems like a pretty good deal. And pretty you have a deal. one in 10 shirt. It only mm-hmm. exists for you. I think that's pretty awesome. Right. If you would like our autographs, we will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gladly. I'm into whatever. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> $20 is $20. $20 is $20. <laughs> all right. With all that said, um, just remember what Philip Darden says. Thanks for having me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Those are the best. Goodbye. <laughs>